in Berkeley, 89.3 KPFB in Berkeley, 88.1 KFCF in Fresno and online at kpfa.org. Time is 3 o'clock p.m. Stay tuned for a stone's throw with Jennifer Stone. Happy ending, nice and tidy. It's a rule I learned in school. Get your money every Friday. Happy endings are the rule. So divide up those in darkness from the ones who in light, light them up, boys, there's your picture, drop the shadows out of sight. This is Jennifer Stone with Stone's Throw. Today is Tuesday. January the 8th, 2013, I'm stumbling into the new year, haven't got a popular thought in my head, no, can't focus on the buzz, the chattering classes are all talking about, well, they're all talking about Downton Abbey, I'll get to it, I'll get to it, gives me a headache, anyway, actually, uh, when I turn on the radio, all I hear is chat about this new movie, the one about the hunt for Osama bin Laden. You know, the big bad guy. I have not seen it yet. I guess I should. Actually, any scenes of 9-11 make my blood run cold. I'm still a coward, mostly. Uh, I should see it because I'm told that it turns out that... The mastermind in the hunt for bin Laden was a woman. Apparently that, <laughs> that matters. Um, and apparently it's a fact. Anyway, some woman thought the whole thing through and she figured out how to get this guy anyway. What the fuss is about is whether or not it is a fact that these United States or these, uh, uh, the intelligence uh, department here in the United States used torture during this search, that is to get information. Uh, I don't know, and I don't think, uh, what is it, uh, very many people do know, but I'll make a good guess, a guesstimate, right, anyway. What I really want to do is, uh, give you some of my notes on this new season of Downton Abbey, because I did see that. I watched every minute of the two-hour opener last Sunday night on PBS, right? PBS has given us another British, <laughs> British opus. Many people are addicted to this high-end production. It's very posh. They have the production values, they call that, yes. It's a gorgeous portrait of the British class structure. 
you know, as it evolves from 1912 to, well, let's see, we're up to post-World War II, the adjustments that came at that time when apparently there was a breakdown between the the uh, master and servant classes, the dominant submission paradigm shifted, adjusted. Uh, <laughs> we, yes, we went to economic slavery, what is that, at a distance. Um, they weren't under the same roof. They could go home nights. Anyway, this is a very conservative show. If you're a progressive and you care about these categories... It has as its genesis some of the old upstairs, downstairs uh, plots. That was a series back in the day. I love that phrase, back in the day. It's like the takeaway. Do you like takeaway? Talk about that later. These new phrases, sometimes they mean something. Anyway, um, the servants and the rulers, right. It's the names, people. It's the names, whether or not they're slaves, whether or not it's Simon Legree or Uncle Tom, or whether it's uh, a more loving title. Yes, darkies. I think that was the worst for me. Anyway, this time... uh we don't get the fancy house of a member of parliament. That was upstairs, downstairs. Uh, city folks, you know, London. This time, we've got an aristocrat who has married American money. Mm-hmm. Uh, Elizabeth McGovern is the uh, American money. Uh, anyway, the, uh, the lord of Downbury Abbey, the... Uh, master at the manor, uh, in order to hang on to his country estate, has married this lovely woman, and it is basically a happy marriage. Uh, and they can keep Mountain Abbey and uh, be, what is the word, uh, traditionalists. However, this property, this uh, county seat, is entailed away from the female line. It's an old British law, right? The women can't inherit. So, the American mother uh, of Lady Mary, she's the young woman, the daughter of the family, the central character of the show, she will lose her investment, uh, the land, that is. Uh, she will lose all this to a male relative when the present lord dies, unless, of course, he, the heir, marries Lady Mary. Got that? Right. <laughs> so, so mom is very anxious to have her daughter marry the, uh, what is that? I think he's a, he's a distant cousin of the Lord. Because he's the only male who uh, can inherit the property. Let's see, two seasons on, this is accomplished. We had the wedding Sunday night. <laughs> With the usual impediments to make things interesting, uh... Now, all the doings and undoings of a dozen interested persons make up the super soap opera. Uh, one of the butlers, well, a butler, yes, has actually gone to prison. That's a bit interesting, um, but it's not the, the main theme. Uh, a younger sister 
marries the family's Irish chauffeur. He's a Republican, uh, not one of our Republicans, a Sinn Féin Republican, you know, the sort, uh, a fire eater. He's an Irish radical, but his dinner conversation um, is a catastrophe, especially when one of his wife's old boyfriends spikes his drink. Now, this sort of uh, plot device shows where the writer's desperate to make the ruling class out to be villainous, as if uh, their absolute entitlement uh, in every area of socioeconomic life were not enough, uh, you know, to paint them as what you call that uh, power people. I once saw some episodes of that old series upstairs, downstairs, and uh, I think they'd been shelved, those episodes, because they were not uh, sympathetic to the family upstairs. You know, the sort of thing where uh, housemaids died of uh, forced pregnancies, that kind of thing. The really uh, hideous treatment and the cruel inequities uh, that were common in the late 19th and early 20th century. Now, none none of that is evidenced in Downton Abbey. They they make a few abortive little tries. Uh, hmm. uh, you don't even see the, the terrible discomforts of being a servant. Uh, they seem to be having a lovely time downstairs. Uh, the ruling class is portrayed as extremely sympathetic to their servants, understanding and certainly sympathetic to one another. Uh, however, the servants, the characters below stairs, include a vicious manservant, Thomas. His sins are forgiven episode after episode. I don't see any uh, reason for that. Uh, there is a lady's maid, the uh, nasty woman O'Brien, <laughs> Irish again. She manages to um, cause her pregnant mistress to slip on a bar of soap she leaves next to the tub. Mm, causes a miscarriage. She is, uh, oh, she's somewhat ashamed of herself, but she's not discovered, and uh, there is no sequelae to that episode. I, I keep wondering, they have to start over again, you know, with each hour makes it very difficult to write for these series. Uh, she has had no comeuppance thus far. All I'm getting at is that this story is not about class oppression. This is about how nice it is to have a house in the country and how nice it is that the rich provide these terrific jobs. Uh, the ruling class, the great family is led by the indomitable Maggie Smith. She is the matriarch. She is the proponent of the old world order. The old world order, yes. Uh, actually, I was going to say that she will be challenged, but I don't think she will be. She will be complimented by Shirley MacLaine, who has just arrived on the scene, first episode, third season, as the American mother-in-law. <laughs> You're supposed to think that uh, she is a worthy opponent of Maggie Smith because she says that while Americans uh, don't really buy into tradition, 
the thing about Americans is that they do not allow tradition to control their lives. It's a little muddy there. Um, mm, I think the writer's having to struggle. Uh, a widow whose husband's money has gone to pay off all this kabuki theater in which dozens of servants wait on one family uh, and in which the hierarchy is a pyramid of privilege. Uh, I, I don't know. Um, Shirley MacLaine, she looks as if she were a visitor from outer space. I don't know what she's doing in this show, but uh, uh, in any case, in both in both um, families, the top dog is a bitch uh, with a terrific sense of humor. She's especially clever with wisecracks, yes, the sort of things that Americans have grown used to. I think of Winston Churchill's mother, what was her name? Oh, Jenny Randolph, yes, the great Jenny Randolph. Uh, half American Winston Churchill was. Anyway... As I see it, the empire has passed from one side of the Atlantic to the other. The British theater has become our inheritance. It's funny, when I was watching some of the early episodes of this one and, and others, I was also watching my favorite ever uh, BBC show, Rome, and I thought then that uh, the British had simply taken the uh, uh, the the heritage of the ancient Roman emperors and moved it to uh, the British Isles. <laughs> now I think we have some similar some similar arrangements, although God knows the American uh, what is that American Empire is a horse of a different color. Anyway, the writer of Downton Abbey is Julian Fellows, and he's been interviewed a few times, if you can hear him on some of the other stations, if you're interested in the profound socioeconomic changes in Western civilization, if you're interested in the culture wars, I would suggest that you um, check out Julian Fellows' other work. He's written, well, he did a movie uh, called Gosford Park. And uh, a number of people I know said that it was... Uh, well, they didn't like it because in the first place it was directed by Robert Altman, who has a terrible habit of letting sentences run over one another. He's a naturalist or something. You know, he did Nashville. Anyway, nothing like the uh, style of this new British number. Uh, anyway, Julian Fellows screenplay for Gosford Park shows that he is, as a thinker, writer, uh, he has a whole different spin on the British ruling class. Uh, now, the the film was confusing because it had the look, you know, of a merchant ivory production. Maybe it was. I don't know. Anyway, it had all that BBC glamour or uh, polished, let's say. But... Uh, the gist of the script was, first of all, a revenge murder. Uh, the old lord, played by the inimitable Michael Gabon, right, he was a lecher. Uh, he's murdered by 
someone who um, is a little angry with him for having shattered the lives of some of his, several of his women employees. Uh, yes, after leaving them pregnant, he put their children in orphanages and in general uh, behaved abominably. Two of his victims are played by Helen Mirren and the great Eileen Atkins, two of the best English actresses we have. Um, Helen Mirren has a uh, an unforgettable speech about the role of the perfect servant. Uh, it's a, she sums it up as someone who has no life of her own. I was thinking while watching the uh, the episodes of Rome, I loved the women characters who were servants of uh, women in power. Uh, they were terrific parts. I somehow identified with them. Uh, Cleopatra's uh, woman servant, tough old broad. She makes Cleopatra give up dope because she has to cope with Julius Caesar. Makes her throw away the uh, pipe. And there's another servant who's the uh, the woman who stands by when Mark Antony's uh, lover. She is the mother, believe it or not, of uh, Octavian Augustus Caesar. Anyway, too many names, too many roles. But uh, these power women need a few other women at their elbow, you know, in some cases to carry a knife in case there's trouble. Uh, um in uh, in Gosford Park, things are a little more subtle, but not much. Uh, the script, uh, well, uh, certainly the script for Gosford Park is much tougher than the one for Downton Abbey. Uh, kind of, well, let's say hard on human nature. The scullery maid is crude, to say the least, uh, happy to oblige on the kitchen table or anywhere else, whereas in Downton Abbey, the uh, scullery maid, the girl Daisy at the bottom of the hierarchy, she, you know, she's struggling to become an assistant cook, of course, but she marries a dying footman uh, who has returned from the war and uh, they just want to make his last hours happy. She does it just to maintain his morale at the end and everybody dresses her up and there are flowers and so forth. It's just appalling soap opera. Anyway, uh, never mind Daisy. I'm sure Daisy will toughen up and get a job in a factory before the series is done. Welcome to the 21st century, boys and girls. Uh, these are the job givers, these ruling class folks. Uh, they're back in the driver's seat once again. Uh, and not only that, but they're charming. I don't know anyone who can resist Maggie Smith. Oscar Wilde comes to mind. Of course, if Oscar Wilde were writing this show, he would write a script that would reveal the truth. Anyway, a truth, maybe my truth, which is that nothing overcomes class. Uh, it is insidious. Uh, to think you can be rich and not act rich is to kid yourself. Anyway, Americans still get these things all confused. Yes, Shirley MacLaine as the American 
millionaire says she wonders why it is that her late husband's wealth should go to a distant relative of her daughter's husband. And, of course, we feel we should be on her side. Nobody stops to ask just where that wealth originated back in the old U.S. of A. back in the 19th century. Doubtless it was the result of some tremendous crime on, uh, well, uh, on these shores. Now, that may be revealed later. Who can tell? There just may be more levels to this show than I'm... I'm uh, willing to think. I, I don't think so. Somehow or another, the tone seems to me clear. We're supposed to like these people. Uh, <laughs> the fact that the uh, the Lord's investments have gone crash and he's about to lose Downton Abbey, maybe that will humanize them and make them realize what it's like to... Uh, what is it? To work for a living, although they make jokes about the fact that uh, nobody's going to have to... Uh, What's the word? Get their get their hands dirty. I, I hope there's some kind of historical research going on because I know that Julian Fellows, uh, as a screenwriter, does have the grand overview. Uh, his butler, the one he created for Gosford Park, was the grim-faced Alan Bates. Uh, at the end of Alan Bates' long career. It was an unpleasant part for him. There's no English actor to match him. I think he was near the end of his life then. Who who can match the angst of Alan Bates? You remember him as the young Englishman in Zorba the Greek? Heartbreaking role. Uh, remember him with John Hurt in a wonderful film called The Shout, in which he and John Hurt are two sides of the same personality. Susanna York was in that. Uh, so many plays and films whirling in my mind. Uh, I think probably uh, for his obit, I think Alan Bates, well, I don't know what, what movie he would pick. I would pick Women in Love, the movie he made with Glenda Jackson. Uh, mid-career film, I think. Nobody could personify sex and sorrow the way Alan Bates could. Certainly more than the late uh, Richard Burton. There's now a huge book out by Richard Burton. Uh, the New Yorker says it's still too long. Apparently, Richard Burton wanted to be a great writer and uh, was disappointed. Uh, right. Uh, Richard Burton writes that uh, he found that he was caught suddenly in roles that he hadn't written. He didn't uh, want to be saying someone else's words. Isn't that interesting? Uh, he was so unhappy. I remember the joke about Richard Burton. Uh, apparently, Laurence Olivier uh laughed at him when he married Elizabeth Taylor and said, well, Richard, did you want to be a great actor or a household word? Richard Burton said both. Obviously, he didn't object to fame. He just wanted to be famous for, you know, being like one of his fellow countrymen, like uh, Dylan Thomas, somebody like that, somebody from the Welsh poetic tradition. I guess... Uh, 
Well, alcohol, alcohol is always part of the picture. Said John Hurt the other night on an interview, talking about alcohol. I haven't heard it mentioned for a couple of decades, but actors, actors and the drink. Anyway, we all know about the angst of the artist, the performing artist. I was personally in my 40s when I realized that none of the roles that I'd ever played were true, at least true for me, you know. They're always true for someone, but Blanche Dubois? That wasn't, well, it was Tennessee Williams. We all know that. I think Tennessee should have acted his own plays. I think that's my takeaway, my takeaway. It's very hard to ask interesting people to be actors because they really want to change the lines and make the story their own. Anyway, that's my takeaway into my own little journey in the theater or in acting. That phrase, takeaway, I keep wondering, you look at someone like the great Vanessa Redgrave and I see her in a magnificent film, uh, Oh, let's see. The film, uh, one of my favorite favorites with Emma Thompson and Helena Bonham Carter and uh, Anthony Hopkins, the one in which they argue over her little home in the country. She she wanted to keep it anyway. Vanessa Redgrave, as an older woman, says she's so happy not to have to deal with the vote. She's so happy that the men can deal with those things. She's not having to worry about that, and I imagine it choked her. On the other hand, she's a great actor. She wouldn't care. She's perfectly happy. Do whatever the script requires. Anyway, I've been using that phrase the last week, trying to see how it works. Uh, I ask people, what's their takeaway? That is, what do they remember from a certain event or a party or a movie or a play? And they just stare at me with that... uh, blank look and say uh, they've forgotten it all they don't want to remember it Uh, what would be the point of that interesting isn't it Uh, I remember if you ask a student in school I would say will you use this when you're a grown up Uh, will you remember this when you're an old person and of course the question was whether they would remember it Friday for the quiz and uh Sometimes one little kid would say maybe, uh, for example, you know, you know, the, the kids who would say that Anna Karenina would teach them that sex can lead you to suicide or Ethan Frome would teach them that uh, crime doesn't pay. No, that's Macbeth. Anyway, <laughs> there, there's a, what is it? There's a picture in my head now. It's a still shot of, uh, I think I know what it is. It's Betty Davis in Of Human Bondage, looking like the wrath of God, dying of tuberculosis because she was mean and unkind to a man who loved her. That's her comeuppance, right? That's her takeaway. That's what she gets for being who and what she is. (laughs) That's it. And that's what you'll get if you're rich. St. Francis was right. Give everything away and give it away today. Otherwise, your takeaway will be that you uh, died without having given away 
everything you owned and uh, everything that might make someone else's life a little more cheerful. Uh, this has been Jennifer Stone with Mind Over Media and Stone's Throw. Today, uh, I will be back on the air next Tuesday. And we have a marathon coming in February. I hope to do a, a biography of Thornton Wilder at that time for a s- subscription to KPFA, right? This has been Jennifer Stone. Till next Tuesday at this time, go easy. And if you can't go easy, go as easy as you can. Goes in darkness from the ones who walk in light. Light them up, boys. There's your picture. Drop the shadow. Catch Apex Express on KPFA. Apex Express is a weekly program following news and cultural events throughout Asia and the Pacific Islands. Find out about issues affecting Asian American and Pacific Islander communities locally and globally. Get on board the Apex Express Thursday evenings at 7 p.m. on KPFA.